Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Due to the storm, Dean Michael Coyne, who usually comes in, is joining us by telephone for safety reasons. And we're gonna go. We're gonna go through some of the uh, legal things that happened in the last month or so, or last couple of weeks. And uh, Dean, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks. I'm sorry I can't be there, but uh, I've taken the coward's way out and uh, decided to stay out of the snow and ice and uh, talk to you by the phone. So yeah. I missed not being there, but uh, I'm sure we'll have a. Plenty to discuss, nonetheless. Absolutely. It, plus, you do have a history of slipping in the snow and hurting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you, thanks for mentioning that, but there have been more than a few incidents uh, lately where uh, uh, the snow and the ice pose a, an additional challenge, and we don't heal as quickly as we used to, so uh, caution is the watchword for tonight. All right, Dean Michael Coyne, let's start with the Utah woman tri- charged with a crime when her stepkids see her topless in her own home. The way I understand it is she and her husband were working, putting up drywall, and it was all (laughs) dusty, and so the husband takes off his shirt, and she also takes off her shirt, because why not, because it's dusty. And her stepchildren, before long, come in and see them naked, and somehow she is found out and gets in trouble. So, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, that's that's about basically right. I mean, it's uh, an unusual way to hang drywall, and uh, there is some uh, credence we can give in that because anyone who's ever done it knows it's very dusty. The problem is that it's uh, when we de- uh, dig a little deeper into the story, um, there's much more there as background that tells us as to how this likely came about. She was uh, working on hanging the drywall with her husband, who has three stepchildren, um, ages 9 through 13. And um, when uh, they were hanging drywall, uh, they did decide to do it without their tops on so that uh, there wouldn't be so much dust on their clothes. And the children then uh, came into the room uh, and saw uh, her her and their father uh, naked from the waist up, and reported that to uh, their mother. Uh, their mother thought that that was inappropriate. Uh, there was an investigation by child services about it as well. And then ultimately, now, uh, she faces a lewdness uh, criminal charge uh, as a result of it having been reported to the police. And so what she wants to defend it on the basis of um, that uh, if men can uh, be topless, why can't women? And it's a constitutional issue as she sees it. The problem is it's a little more complicated than simply that uh, because what you have is minors in the house, um, the, the uh, woman is not their uh, biological mother, and the biological mother is objecting. 
uh, to it as saying it's bad parenting and it's not appropriate and that's not the way she wants her children raised. Um, and so it, there's more to the story with respect to the the details that give it a little light about um, is this appropriate parenting or who actually even then gets to decide when we have these blended families of this sort. So there's so some kind of interesting issues that, that lurk just beyond the surface here as well. So thing number one, if yep. it's in fact a an equality issue, then the mother being upset that wouldn't that wouldn't count if it, if it goes to a higher court and it's deemed that she wins on that which is unlikely but if she did then what the biological mother thought about it wouldn't be relevant because uh it would be okay correct uh, i'm not sure of that whether you might have the legal right to do something and there's been a lot of challenges uh to uh these nudity laws that are enforced with respect to uh, topless activity. There's uh, occasionally in the last few years, there's been uh, people uh, having uh, protests at the beaches. Uh, I think there was one up in Hampton Beach uh, with respect to uh, women uh, objecting to the whole notion that this is inappropriate and in a violation of their rights. Uh, but the but the fact is here is that uh, y you know you could be for instance now these days it's legal to smoke marijuana in your own house. Uh, I could see where uh, the biological mother or father could be objecting to that activity being done in front of their minor children um, with by their stepmother or stepfather in another home and children's services looking at that to try and make a determination as to whether, uh, despite it being now law a lawful activity, whether it is uh, appropriate to do in front of relatively young and impressionable children. Uh, and so even why would, though... Go ahead, go ahead. Why, why would it be harmful, though? What's the inherent harm? Well, I think the, the inherent... You would have some folks that would argue that, you know, you, use, and I'll make it, you know, as they would see it, excessive use of alcohol or marijuana or, or other um, activities could potentially affect the children, and I should have a right, since they are my children as well, I should have some say as to the activities they are exposed to. And so that it not necessarily and not resulting in criminal charges but just simply an activity that I think is inappropriate for them to be exposed to at this time. You know, there are still courts uh, and there are still orders sought requesting that um, the, the children not necessarily uh, be visiting while the parent is, in the, is accompanied by their um, new um, uh, partner or boyfriend or girlfriend. That, that there is at least a transition period where the court is worried about uh, exactly how those children's uh, new lives uh, are affected by all of uh, what some would see as the turmoil and the change. So even though that I think at the core of this, um, there is an argument for her to make about how is this fair. And by the way, the, the argument from the stepmother's standpoint is strengthened by the fact 
that the father didn't face any lewdness charges while concedingly doing the very same thing. Yeah. He was naked from the waist up as well. So there's the argument about, well, how was she selectively uh, prosecuted while he gets a free pass. And I think that's on the basis at the core of this, that for the longest time, law enforcement has seen a topless woman as being uh, subject to a lewdness charge, while topless men, we see them on the beach or at yeah. other places all the time and are not uh, exposed to the same types of criminal risk. And and that's at the core core of it is, you know, do we in 2019, soon to be 2020, still accept that that um, is, in fact, an appropriate use of law enforcement resources, um, or, or as some would say, it sounds like you might argue, get over it, okay? Well, that's on. right. Here's, my, here's where I am at, unless somebody can convince me otherwise. It, I think that this idea that the behavior is lewd and somehow harmful to the kids is some, a puritanical societal thing that needs to change. It, it is an, in, an inequality. It's just, you know, it's, it's just abreast. And the, the, we're the people that insert the lewdness upon that. Not, not, it's not the breast being lewd. It's we coming from, I guess, the Puritans feeling that that's the case. And I feel that she should be off the hook and it should be fine. And that it's society that should change, not her. And I and I can understand uh, that view, but I can also understand the parents' view that um, you know I should have some significant say as to when my child uh, children are exposed to certain activities or certain events, and this is in fact one of them. Whether it ties back to the Puritans or my simple view of uh, sexuality or whatever it is, is that that is something that, as a, as a parent, I get input on, and right. um, my voice should be heard. All right. And I think, and I think, so I think there's some background there that's, that, that makes it a little more interesting. It would be interesting to know what others think about yeah. this, is, uh, because, she, and, here, and here is the real rub here, as you point out, is, well, she is facing criminal charges. This is not just you know, a, a warning or, geez, that was inappropriate, don't do it again. She's now facing criminal charges, which will require her, if convicted, to register as a sex offender. I know. So that, that's, that, that's quite an extreme position. Yeah, it's hardly the spirit of the law. We need to break. But I would like to, I do want to point out to everyone that there are societies where no one wears a top ever, unless it's really cold, and it doesn't seem to to cause psychic harm to their their kids. They seem pretty good with it. I feel like it's our society, but that's me. And, of course, I might feel different if I had kids. Let's talk to Jack in Waltham. Hi, Jack. Hey, Michael Coyne. This is Jack. How you doing? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you tonight? Okay. You know, I, I look at this, you know, as a, you know, a case where, uh, you know, it could be a care and protection case where I'd be representing the mother, the father, or the, the kids, and typically, you know, a mother – would call DCF and say, you know, hey, my kids are being exposed to something in that in that house that I don't like, and maybe I should have custody. So that that's where I would have come in on a case like this, you know, representing either the mother 
the father or the children, you know, because I taught this for 20 years. Okay, what do you think, though? Well, we want to know what you well, think, not who you'd be representing. If it's, if it's the mother and she's my client, I, I you know, I say to mom, okay, what do you want? Do you, do you think that your children should not be in that? No, I'm asking you, Jack, what you think. Do you know? Do you understand? Yeah, I understand, Jack. But what? What? Uh, we, we, what? If you were in that position as the parent, what would you think if your spouse or someone else was engaging in that activity without your permission in front of the children? I mean, taking away your lawyer hat. Would Would you have the right to object? Jack, are you there? He's, it seems like he's still there, but it looks like he's still there, but it didn't sound like it. So, yeah, Jack, we wanted to, I wanted to know what you think on this. Now we go back to, we'll go to, back to Michael Coyne, and since Jack is gone, we'll go to the country club, Susan's waiter, who spilled yeah. wine on a patron's $30,000 purse. I'll give it to you in my own words. A kid's a waiter. He's employed by the country club, as I understand it. He serves some wine to a patron, spills wine on the purse, ruins it. She sues the, the restaurant, and the restaurant sues the waiter. Whoa. It, it's an interesting set of circumstances, and there's a whole bunch of, again, this is one that has layers to it as well, because I talk to my civil procedure students about it, because from a, from a standpoint of the law, there's kind of a couple of interesting things going on. But the first thing that strikes me is, you know, a kid from Dorchester is, who the hell carries around a $30,000 purse? Uh, when they go out to eat. It's just almost uh, um, shocking to me that purses cost that much and one would use it right. in sort of their ordinary business. But at any rate, uh, there's the interest, one interesting angle here is in why the country club sued, sued their waiter, who uh, not, doesn't likely have $30,000, is that they were sued by the patron for the loss of the purse or the, the damage to the purse, um, which would be generally insured under an insurance policy. And uh, for whatever reason, they weren't able to work it out uh, to try and resolve it short of litigation. So what happened is that they are suing the country club uh, under a principle called, and I know you love your legal uh, Latin, uh, respondeat superior. Oh, yeah, the old respondeat <laughs> superior. That's right. That, that the uh, employer is responsible for the acts of their agent that occur during the course of their regular duties. And so they're being sued as, A, the person that has assets to pay this and the policy. Uh, but what was the interesting angle, as you pointed out, is then when they were sued, they in turn then uh, bring a cross-claim, what's called a cross-claim, against uh, the waiter themselves. And so uh, they obviously are looking in part to recoup some of their losses if, in fact, they are ultimately found liable. And the interesting thing from that agency in the respondeat superior argument legally is that while there are many circumstances where the employer is going to be responsible for the acts of their agent that happen in the ordinary course of business, the agent is still responsible as well. Sometimes people think, well, that if that that only the employer is then uh, ultimately going to have to pay uh, any potential judgment. That's not really true because the agent still is responsible for their own negligence or their own breach of contract or whatever they may have done. And so at the end of the day, 
theoretically, if it's not resolved uh, without uh, being tried and going to judgment, the uh, uh, waiter may very well have a judgment against them for the value done to the damage of the pur- to the purse, even though they were just doing their regular duties at the country club at the time this all happened. So, in order for the kid to be liable, though, wouldn't he have had to have been negligent? If he was just doing his duty and had an accident, it seems kind of punitive. Well, I suppose there would be two parts. That'd be the recovery and then the, the punitive part. If, But no, it, I don't know. You're absolutely it, right. There's, okay. there's got to be two parts to it. In, in every civil case, there always is. It's called liability and damages. And the liability, as you correctly point out, in this case is likely based on him having been negligent. Um, not just an accident, as you pointed out. If it if it if it is simply an accident without any negligence on his part, then then the likelihood is neither he nor the country club would be responsible for the damage done to her purse, and and she could be partly responsible again, not knowing the exact circumstances as to how this all came about. But the fact is, they would have to so show some breach of the law in order for the waiter to be responsible, as well as the country club. I do think it's a case that's grounded on negligence. Uh, and so part of it will obviously turn on the facts of the case. I don't think it's it's heavily disputed that somehow during the course of this dinner, the purse was in fact damaged. I believe it was damaged when uh, red wine was somehow spilled on it. How that came about will determine whether there is, in fact, a legal violation, a legal duty that was breached to her, or whether it was simply an accident for which no one is responsible. You know, if I were the lawyer for the kid, I might I might say that, in fact, the owner of the purse is somewhat negligent. If, if you have a purse that expensive and you put it in the proximity of red wine in tall tippy tall wine glasses you there's a reasonable expectation that there may be wine flying around there and you you have some responsibility to recognize that fact and keep your purse out of harm's way i think that's actually right although i wonder whether that attitude because i share that view whether that attitude is is in part a, a class bias. You, <laughs> no no i do don't you i'm sure that it is a class bias but even so it's also true. <laughs> well, I, let's. Uh, I believe it is, and I think, frankly, that there is some. Uh, some of that would resonate with the jury that's sitting there, especially if you look at where the sympathies would likely lie right. to the poor waiter uh, who's working their tail off to 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 make ends meet. That was a bad uh, night for that guy. We were talking about a case where a a wife was with her husband they were both topless and doing work on drywall stepchildren come in biological mother freaks out now the woman is facing charges that may end up with her being dubbed a sex offender <laughs> and uh i kind of make the case that society needs to change not her that's a radical view these still even even these days jack in waltham is an attorney and he has a take on it hi jack yeah, Michael, I think the best way to look at this might be for the district court judge in Massachusetts, right, Michael? This case comes in tomorrow, brought in by the DA or the police prosecutor trying to charge this woman. 
Yes, right? Yep. So, Mike, so I, I say, I'm the judge on the bench. I say to the police prosecutor, the DA, I think you're in the wrong court. I think you may need to be over in the juvenile court. I think you need to talk to DCF and look at what's in the best interest of, this, of the children. I'm going to defer on bringing any charges uh, against this woman until I refer it back to the juvenile court have a DCF investigation, et cetera, and look at what's in the best interest of the children. Fair enough. Thank you very much. Let's go to Marie in Boston. Hi, Marie. Good, mo- Hi, Hi, good Marie. morning, Bradley, and good morning, Michael. My Hi, take on- Hi, dear. Topless, my thought is it's fine to be with your husband, topless, but I feel the door should have been locked so the kids kids couldn't walk in. But I don't think she should be charged. I mean, give her a warning. Give her a slap on the whatever. But she won't do it again. Or if she does, lock the door. I have a a question. How were the children harmed by seeing a woman's breast? Well... I'll tell you what happened to me as a child. My uncle stood over my bed naked. And when I saw him, I was sleeping. I screamed. I think, I don't know, I'm going to interrupt and and ask. To me, a naked dude standing over your bed when you're a kid is different than um, a topless woman. I suppose it could be said. It's all a slippery slope. Let's Let's get Mike Coyne's take on this. Hey, what do well, you think uh, on that, Mike? Well, I, I think, Bradley, it, it, isn't that a little bit of the, the same thing now in reverse? If if there was a topless woman hanging over her bed, would you feel any different than if it was this naked man? I mean, aren't, aren't they relatively similar, even though obviously the um, the threat, as one could potentially see it, is significantly more? Well, there's a whole, I, the whole other set of genitalia that is... Yes, is involved with with uh, Marie's situation, but I wouldn't so readily dismiss the point that children. I mean, this sounds like a long time ago that children are impacted by things potentially for the rest of their life that we don't always understand uh, at the, at the at the outset, uh, and and that's that's in part what's going on here. This isn't a one-time incident. She's saying uh, she is defending herself on the basis that she is a feminist and believes that the children have every right, she has every right to walk around the house like this and that the children have every right uh, to be in the house while she's doing it. And, And that's part of the problem here. I think if children and family services or even the district attorney were provided assurances that this activity wouldn't continue, that we might not have seen criminal charges occur as a result of it. I think, in, you know, in part, Marie's point about, well, do what you want to do in private, uh, but when there are others there who are minors, then you have to respect the rights of not just the minors, mm-hmm. but those parents and others who are close to them that have some, should have some say as to what the children are exposed to. I I would say that I would feel differently about the topless woman if she hadn't simply been being putting up drywall. There seems to be a significant difference between putting up drywall with no shirt on 
than standing over a youth's bed completely naked. There's there's the threat factor and the it seems I would have a problem with her if she'd done that. I do see a substantive difference in in the two acts. There is there there is a there is a in a significant difference. I don't disagree with that. Right. I, I don't buy completely for by the way buy the whole story that it, it's a hanging drywall. It's best to be done topless. And yeah, that's you know, it. we accepted that premise with, right away. I know. With the foundation of this, that as to how it all came about, doesn't doesn't quite uh, have the ring of truth to me. You, see, you, you just think that would be irritating and itchy, and you, you'd be you'd be better off having some sort of shirt on. You can always wash the shirt. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you have an old T-shirt that you do work in, and if you if it gets that, and by the way, it's a lot worse to, to than dusty when you're working around uh, the house and doing certain things. So, I mean, the fact is, if it's dusty, you can shake it out. You, there's many things you can do. It doesn't sound like an insurmountable uh, problem here. It, it sounds like an odd set of uh, circumstances as to how it all came about yeah. to begin with. Uh, fair enough. Bob and Peabody now. Bob, hello. Hi, good morning. Uh, I was just going to uh, complain that until the last caller, you, you got off on this whole straw man argument for 20 minutes, including the uh, attorney Jack calling. And uh, I, I didn't quite understand the point. You said hypothetically, if this were not an illegal activity for her to be topless, then the ex-wife may have some say in it and child services may have say similar to you don't want the kids to be in a you know a house with marijuana or with a dog or with cigarettes, anything legal. But but the bottom line is it's illegal act to begin with, isn't it? Uh, haven't the well, courts pretty much been consistent on these Hampton Beach cases? Well, but is it, it, it's, it, how should it be an illegal act to be topless Flashing minors? Your own, in your own home? Well, uh, I'm in my own home. If I invite somebody over, I can't just start, you know, pull a Harvey Weinstein at them. Well, that's well, a different I, thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a different thing. They come into my home with some expectation that I'm not going to cross into illegal activity. And, and the illegal activity would be, shirt, would be shirtless in front of whoever you brought inside your Which house. Which is different than a Harvey Weinstein female. thing. Uh, female Bob, would be. Bob, yeah. Would it not? Wouldn't a um, female be? Huh? I don't know that it would be inside your own house. I think there are more than a few Supreme Court cases that talk about you know what that that they should not be regulating activity inside a person's bedroom inside a person's house and i think frankly many of us would be uh concerned to the that the, if the government chose to regulate acti- to regulate our active our personal activities within our home the what does complicate it and you no no doubt you're correct and this is the problem is we've got three minors present in the home as well but the the question ultimately becomes is so is this lewd activity simply by her walking around the house uh, without a top on, and to, when it isn't lewd activity for a male to do the same thing? Yes, it's true, Bob, that it is illegal. That's your point. At the end of the day, it is. But our question is, should it be? Should should it go to a higher court and and be in the lobby changed? I'm I'm not sure, Bradley, that it is. What the, even the law enforcement in this situation is saying, that historically the exposure of the female breast has been considered to be falling within the lewdness statutes. I'm not, and her challenge is to the fact that 
just as you pointed out. We'll get over it then because that dates back to puritanical times. We are not in that era anymore, and there's no reason why I shouldn't be allowed to expose my breasts as my husband can, as any male can. And, and that's the core of it. It's not necessarily uh, per se a violation of a criminal statute. We have always interpreted it as such because of the way uh, oftentimes the female breasts are uh, exposed. But, but here she's in the privacy of her own home, and, and I do think that it's not an open and closed case as to whether that constitutes lewdness. Right. Whether it constitutes inappropriate activity in front of her stepchildren, that, as Jack pointed out, that may well be a matter for children's services or someone else. It may not be uh, appropriate to be in criminal court. Lewdness can sometimes be in the eye of the beholder, just as beauty can. And in this case, the eye of the beholder, the beholder is all of society. I'm saying, hey, society, you know, change your view. I, I, you can view it as a, a, a sexual thing, or you can vo view it as just a body, a human anatomy, or you can view it as a food source, whatever. We have Sean, after this break, Shauna in Melrose. Gee, Dean Coyne, we have, we have a lot of callers. It's WBZ. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. BZ, you're with Bradley J and Dean Michael Coyne of the Massachusetts School of Law. And I know out there you're saying, oh, that guy Dean Coyne, he seems so excellent. And you're also saying this law stuff is more fun than when they talk about it than than I than I realize. And I'm th I know that there are there are future lawyers out there who don't feel like they could do it. Maybe they feel like they're you know too old. Yeah, I you ought to think about doing it. You ought to think about going for it. Dean Coyne tells the story. I think it was you that tells the story about yep. somebody 50 years old was thinking about it, but said to his wife, "You know, I'm 50 years old. I'm going to be 55 in five years." And she said, "You know what? If you don't do it." You're going to be 55 and not a lawyer. So you should think about it. Anyway, yep. let's go to Shauna in Melrose, see what she wants to talk about. Hi, Shauna. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Yes. Hey, um, in the beginning of the show, I was driving, so I couldn't I couldn't call right away. But um, I did want to respond to uh, to one of the questions that you asked regarding the marijuana 
You said, mm-hmm. what is the inherent risk in smoking marijuana around these children? I think that's what it was. And then later on, someone else mentioned the marijuana, too. So uh, may I respond to that, please? Yes. Okay. So basically, I want to I want to tell you what the inherent risk of that is. Uh, Basically, and this is not an opinion. This is information from many um, medical studies. Uh, Basically, the inherent risk of smoking marijuana, they they the, the kids will inhale the secondhand smoke, and their brains will be affected. Um, studies show that kids have, um, they can develop psychosis uh, if they, um, and permanent, if they um, are exposed to or smoke uh, marijuana while their brains are developing. So that's the answer. That's what I wanted to respond to. Fair enough. Thank you very much. All right. Anything else on this, uh, either the Topless woman or the country club spilled the uh, $30,000 purse. I just got to go on record and saying that it's a strike against you. If I meet you and you have a $30,000 purse, I'm just, you know, that's that's not good. That's that's not, it says something that I don't want to have said. I don't know. I, I, mean, I was I, surprised in talking to people about it, how expensive purses are and how people actually carry very expensive purses thousands of dollars uh, purses around um, whether they're going to work or, or even to not necessarily the country club, but that they're much more expensive than I ever would have imagined. I certainly wouldn't have imagined a $30,000 purse. Right. Sounds like a Caddyshack scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, since we last spoke, the grandfather charged, oh, I know. charged with hard? negligent homicide and the cruise ship death of the, of the toddler. Can you outline that case? Yeah, down in Puerto Rico, I think people will probably remember, uh, the grandfather um, had his uh, toddler granddaughter up uh, on a Carnival Cruise Line ship. Uh, They were overlooking the play area. Uh, He thought that there was a window in front of it, and so uh, when he held his his granddaughter up to the window so that she could... uh, bang on it to to get the kid's attention or whatever. Uh, He held her up there, uh, and as it turned out, there was no window there, and the child fell over 100 feet to her death. Uh, It's just a horribly tragic set of circumstances, and obviously the grief and uh, pain that the grandfather feels uh, would never, could never uh, be any more than if he uh, than for what he's done and his regrets that he has. But what has happened as a result of that uh, is now he has been charged uh, in her death by the Puerto Rican authorities, uh, so that they are now trying to say that what he did was reckless, uh, and in fact he's now charged with negligent homicide because of her uh, death in this fashion. And it's it's probably uh, a much greater question of our uh, capacity for forgiveness or to feel someone uh, else's pain. But does it really make sense under the circumstances where uh, his daughter, his, the mother of this child, has said 
that they don't want him charged. He obviously uh, says at this point he doesn't care. There's nothing more severe anyone can do to him than what he uh, has caused himself here at this point. And so uh, convict him if you like. Uh, obviously, he will defend the charges or he'll have lawyers defend the charges. But it just seems like uh, compassion would be the better watchword here uh, than to charge him criminally in the death of his own granddaughter when, by most accounts, everyone thinks it was at worst a horrible mistake um, and and likely along the lines of, uh, of just a, the, uh, a horrible accident. But there, but there is a case for negligent homicide. I guess there's not, nothing else to do with that. Except- no, well, I mean, that's the thing is that the question is, was the activity so reckless and negligent that that, that caused her death? And the, the other thing that I worry about in a case like this uh, is to what extent Carnival or the defendant uh, in what is likely a civil suit is pushing uh, the authorities to to do something about this in order to potentially lessen their liability. Because there's obviously some significant questions about whether the uh, cruise line was negligent in the manner in which they allowed this dangerous condition to exist so close to the play, to children's playland and the like. So there is, there is a serious question about the potential liability and how this all came about that goes well beyond any actions of the grandfather. And the uh, Massachusetts distracted driving law. Yeah, the Ma- Massachusetts now has uh, a real distracted driving law. We're the last of the New England states to actually get one. Uh, you know, the statistics show that uh, our distracted driving accidents have increased by 170% over 2014 to 2016. So, I mean, it's... The reality is what many of us know is that we're way too connected to the devices that we have, uh, and especially as our cars are getting smarter and doing more things, uh, there's many more distractions that now are within our reach, and the fact is is that that is causing more accidents. So Massachusetts Governor Baker just signed a distracted driving law, uh, which prevents the use of any handheld devices. So. Uh, the fact is, is that we have to be more careful when we're driving and pay more attention uh, to the road and to the hazards that exist out there and, and disconnect better, because this law will go into effect on February 23rd. Um, the grace period will uh, bring us to the end of March so that you'll have the law in effect, but you'll likely get warnings during that first period if, in fact, you're using a handheld device uh, to make calls, to text, to do whatever, to check your emails, uh, to even do use your use it for your GPS and the like, which many people now do. Uh, but then after March, after the end of March, um, there will be fines that escalate. For first offense is a hundred dollars, second offense is two fifty, and the third offense will be five hundred dollars uh, for the use of these devices. Uh, because they lead to distracted driving. And then uh, if you're a habitual offender, you can expect that there'll be insurance surcharges as well that attach to uh, your driving history. So it's uh, it, it finally, it appears in Massachusetts, we mean business. 
And and the thing is, you know, for those of us that do drive and those of us that use our cell phones regularly, there are things to do that can make you a safer driver. Fair enough. And just a couple of minutes for this one. Sure. <clears throat> a local story, trials open in, Bo- in Boston for a man who offered $500 for yep. killing ICE agents. He said, uh, I am broke but will scrounge and literally give $500 to anyone who kills an ICE agent. And his lawyer says that's politically uh, protected speech. Take 60 seconds and say why it's, explain no, why that's, it's probably not. Yeah, that, it isn't probably not. That is, that is a garbage argument. Uh, the fact is solicitation is, in fact, a crime in and of itself. Uh, it's actually a Class A felony. If you solicit someone to commit a crime like this, a murder, um, uh, and that's what this is. It's not a conspiracy because there's not, not an agreement with someone yet. It is solicitation. Uh, one could argue that, uh, that the criminal law has been violated and you are guilty of solicitation, which is a Class A felony. You know, somehow people got this when, when it was... Uh, other individuals uh, over the course of the last year saying, well, words alone are never sufficient. Michelle Carter, we saw that, and that was wrong there as well. The fact is our words can be uh, punished criminally and oftentimes are. Here, this is, in fact, solicitation, uh, and it's a Class A felony. You're the best. Wouldn't he have been better off to uh, claim that it was humor rather than, say, protected speech? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. Is you know when you talk about satire and humor and you're saying things in jest, uh, that's a much stronger defense to these crimes where words matter um, than it is to say, well, you know, his words are protected. You know, the age-old uh, saying is you can't yell "crowded in a uh, fire in a crowded theater." The fact is, words do matter, and words can be punished and are punished oftentimes, and are constitutionally permissible to be punished. Thank you very much. You uh, have an excellent night and a day off tomorrow. Really appreciate your time. You're the, again, you're the best, and we'll see you in the studio next time, weather permitting. Thanks, Bradley. Absolutely. That's Dean Michael Coyne of the Massachusetts School of Law. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.